Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Overtime Buzz podcast. Uh, we're going to start getting into some football talk. We're getting around the corner on free agency. Uh, it's starting to die down a little bit, and we're getting into April tomorrow. Uh, we got the draft at the end of the month. Certainly going to be um, quite an interesting month. You know, still some free agents left to go. A lot of deals to get figured out. Um, but you know, before we really get into anything, um, Eve, how have you been, buddy? It's been a while. We uh, we've definitely gotten away from the football talk. You know, it's off season. It's kind of tough and. Um, trying to keep up with all this with, with work and school, you know, it's hard, but finally get some time here to talk some Steelers, talk some free agency, you know, even get into some draft previews a little early, but uh, how have you been? I've been good, man. You know, like you said, work has just been crazy uh, at the Cedar Point Sports Center there, just, you know, doing some things with volleyball and basketball, but yeah, you know, just free agency has been pretty crazy uh the patriots certainly made a, a lot of moves they pretty much signed the whole league but um yeah it's just been really hard to keep up um especially in the off season when there's really nothing to talk about obviously with the free agency there there have been some big names but not a whole lot of big names that have been there uh the steelers have definitely been not too active, but they have made some moves in the free agency that we'll get into here in a little bit. But uh, real quick, how are you, man? Yeah, pretty good. Um, you know, graduating in May, so just grinding through this last month, dude. You know, it's uh, it's been nuts. It's going to be a crazy month. Um, you know, between work and school, but oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's going. Um. You know, I, I like how you said about the Steelers being quiet, but it's kind of hard to be quiet when you got 17 free agents to try and sign or let go. <laughs> yeah. And they certainly with, did with a good little job, cap space. Know. Yeah, exactly. Restructuring, man. I felt like they restructured everybody's deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, didn't they re- restructure even Derek Watt? They got like 800K for it. I mean, yeah, they did. They <laughs> your, did. Your boy over there sacrificed a little money this year, but. And we barely used them. I know what one carry and that came in the playoffs, two carries in the playoffs. One, um, yeah, one which went for first down, and then the other one was just kind of dumb because the Browns just saw that coming. But anyway. Hey, I don't know how you could see it coming though. You didn't use them all year, no film on them. Right. It should have been like the silent weapon, you know. Oh, it should have been easily. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's kind of funny. Um, before we really get into the free agency, uh, all the toxicity that's gone on with uh Pittsburgh sports media. I don't oh. know how much you've been able to keep up with, but um, you know, the, the toxicity about, about Juju, um, the Steven Nelson two hour saga. Um, I don't know, man, it's crazy, but the only thing I know, um, you know, for, for all the, the talk about the Steelers being a, a great team, the first half, you know, clearly offense, there were some problems with getting the ball out and you can see as evidence that James Connor and Randy Feekner still do not have a job. So. Um, kind of surprises me with James Conner a little bit just because, you know, I still uh, he's a talented back, but obviously injuries have taken over most of his career. Randy Figner just, you know, should stay unemployed because that's <laughs> he's just not he's not good at all. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. There was some rumors early on in free agency about Conner going to the Jets or the Dolphins. But, mm-hmm. you know, the way I look at that is is the Dolphins, man, they have Jordan Howard. They have they just re-signed Matt Breida. Or I think they waived Jordan Howard. My bad. Yeah, I um, think you're right. But they have Matt Breida, and they had uh, this that Ahmed guy that came in and balled out for like three games last season. Um, and they still had uh, 
they had their starter that was hurt the whole year. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, yeah, that team's loaded at running back. How about but yeah? How about that? Those trades that they made uh, last oh week. Unreal, dude. <laughs> they went from the third pick to what, like the twelve, twelve, back up to like six. Yep. Yeah, they traded the third pick. Just so anybody who's listening that that may not understand that the Dolphins traded the third pick in the draft which is pretty much the keys to either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields um, to the 49ers for their first rounder, which was number 12 this year. And then their next, was it two first rounders and a second rounder next year? Yeah. From the Eagles. No, from the Niners. Yeah. To the Dolphins. And then the Dolphins like 15 minutes later just said, all right, watch this sent the 12th pick plus next year's first to the Eagles for the sixth overall pick. So they netted what two firsts plus just drop back three spots in the draft and a second. That's just absurd, dude. And that it really is. Well, then didn't, uh, didn't the O lineman, uh, crap. I had his name. Tunsil. Yeah. Tunsil like tweeted or something. It said like, you're welcome Miami or something like that. (laughs) Uh, cause that was the, the pick they had this year was the Texans pick that they just sent to the Niners and Tunsil helped them get that pick. So um, what's crazy, it's kind of funny. What I think is though, is that if they somehow do, do not make the playoffs at least within the next three years, all of that is just, was just a waste of time. But then again, like what about, what if the 49ers just like totally fall off the face of the earth? That's true. Like, I mean, it's probably not going to happen because that defense is solid and they got Kittle you know, they got some weapons, uh, Ayuk uh, and Bourne at wide receiver. Right. Um, you know, they're probably going to end up drafting a running back this year or signing someone like James Conner. Yeah. Um, and they're either going to have Jimmy G or Fields slash uh, Zach Wilson. So they might not be that bad. But imagine if they fall off the face of the earth and the Dolphins just netted two top five picks in the next two years. That'd be crazy. That'd be absurd, dude. And they because the Dolphins are going to be a team in the running for a wild card spot, oh, especially yeah. for sticking with seven teams. I mean, you know, you look at their division. The Bills are the best team, no question. The Patriots are a wild card because if Cam Newton is terrible, then they're not going to make it. Right, and they're going to end up having to figure something out. But um, we'll get back to the Patriots here in a minute. Um, but then you look at the the Jets; they're still probably going to go like four and twelve. Five and eleven at best, maybe, or six and eleven now because the NFL oh, today yeah. added that seventeenth game. Man, that's gonna be weird to start counting. That you is because I'm so used to being like twelve and four is good, thirteen and three is really good, fourteen and two is like star team right there. You know, I, now it's gonna be like fourteen and three. It's like no, that doesn't sound right. right. Yeah, I was uh, looking at the Steelers' schedule today, and I was kind of given my predictions and everything. My prediction is I think they may go eleven and six. And I was when I said that in my head, I was like, I was like, that's just weird. That just that does not seem right. Yeah, that just it doesn't sit right coming off the tongue. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. That uh, that is not good. (laughs) No, I mean it's it's going to be brutal for all these players, especially for a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who's thirty nine years old. Hopefully, by that seventeenth game, either the Steelers will either have clinched the division or either clint or clinched a wild card spot so that way we can rest him rest yeah him. yeah now that you know it's funny um week 17 whenever everybody's playing you know it's obviously week 17 for the 16th game with all the buys added in but 
um, you know, everybody with fantasy and stuff is kind of what I always go to is yeah. the championships are always done before week 17 because week 17, you know, especially now the Chiefs, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, yeah. none of them are playing. You know, the Patriots when they were good, what, two years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Brady, Gronk, Edelman, none of them were playing. Steelers, you know, a couple of years back, it was Brown, Martavis, Bryant, Ben, Bell. Bell. Yeah. None of them were playing. And those are, you know, just a handful of the best players in the league. And you can't take the best team in the league in fantasy and screw them like that. Because what if somebody does have, you know, Russell Wilson, Bell, Brown, and Edelman? They're losing their four best players. Exactly. So, you know, it was it was funny, you know, the the way that that works. But obviously now that just shifts to week 18, yeah, whatever. But um, that 17th game, man, there's way more opportunity for injury. Um, yeah. You know, and e- Ebron tweeted um, and with a or post on an Instagram story, you know, with the, the post. And he said, you know, I can already feel my knees and my ankles hurting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't blame you, dude. Like. Heck, I uh, I go on a golf trip and I play four rounds, and I know before that week starts that round four is going to be a struggle. Yep, I couldn't imagine the kind of things their bodies are feeling come the seventeenth game of a season. Yeah, it's it, that's it, crazy. It's going to be tough. Well, I mean, the, the only difference, but obviously, is between golf and football is you're actually hitting people and you're running around. Well, I mean, yeah. it, there's a huge difference. Right, right, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm saying from my like scrawny or not scrawny, but my, uh, non-professional athlete experience. <laughs> right. Our, um, uh, unathletic asses. Yeah. The closest I can really get to it is, you know, when I was playing baseball tournaments, you know, you're, you're playing three games between Friday, Saturday, and then you're playing two or three games Sunday. I mean, you're feeling it by that last game, but for sure, nothing like what these guys, you know, the, all the training they do during the week and they're getting hit. And yeah, no, it's that's, crazy. Did you see that video of uh, Juju with all those plates on his lap and then that and then that girl kind of like jumping up onto onto his uh, onto yeah, his dude. Plates? I was actually going to bring that up <laughs> pretty soon. They Juju uh, for anybody that didn't see it, let like wall sit. You know, like the uh, when he's sitting as it, it's for the ab strength. He had like four hundred and. 50 pounds in plates on him and some girl that they said was like 150 pounds was jumping on top of him and he didn't even move <laughs> like this man was like get a chair under him dude it was nuts so, so if you put like 100 pounds on me i might fall oh yeah no <laughs> I, i'm kind of done after like after that but like no what, what was also funny was um d'angelo williams on twitter former Steelers running yeah. back he like Add James Harrison on on a Twitter was like, hey, if you don't put like a Chevy car on your lap, you're not strong. I was, <laughs> I was like, that's funny, bro. The days when Harrison was playing, watching his workout videos were absurd. You know, they're still absurd. Oh yeah, I mean the dude's like 44 and he's still like leg pressing a thousand pounds and benching at least 400. That dude's huge. Oh yeah, he's a freak. He's gonna be like that for the rest. I'm convinced when he's like 88 years old, he's still gonna be bench pressing like 500 pounds. I mean, he may not like age. I don't know how you can age when you're doing stuff like that, dude. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean it's crazy, but. Um, this off season, you know, social media, like I prefaced, you know, the Pittsburgh media, it's been brutal. Um, you know, the Steelers are pretty much drama three drama free for the full season for the first time. And man, I couldn't tell you how long. And, uh, you see my, my issue with the Pittsburgh media is that 
they'll find any reason whatsoever to blame it on somebody. The Steelers lose three three games in a row. Blame it on Juju for doing TikToks. They blame yeah. Juju talks in the media saying the Browns is the Browns. Steelers lose to the Browns in the playoffs. Oh, it's all on Juju because he said what he said. They forget that this is a team sport. The Steelers lost because they had essentially no offense, no offensive identity. They had no running well, game. Well, well, they had an offense, but it was the easiest offense to right, predict right, exactly. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and people have like, openly said it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, But for some reason, like guys like Mark Madden will just be like, oh, no, it's all on Juju because he did the TikTok, that Corvette, Corvette dance on the Bills, Bengals, and whoever's 50-yard line, the opposing team's 50-yard line. It's like, dude, come on. It's not on Juju. You cannot blame it on Juju. And Juju probably had even a good game. I'm pretty sure he had, he had a touchdown in that Bills game. In the Bills game, I think he was like, I think he had like 70 or 80 yards and a touchdown because that was the game where, I mean, Ben literally threw the ball like 50 or close to 60 times because yeah. Diggs was just going off. I mean, he was catching everything and running. I All I remember about that game is just how frustrating it was to watch Stefan Diggs, as much as I love him, torch our defense. Absolutely, yeah, go absolutely off. And to it, to the Steelers' defense, or I guess to Diggs' benefit, I think Marcus Allen and Robert Spillane spent most of the game covering him. And I think there was something when Spillane signed, somebody tweeted and was like, please, dear God, don't make this man cover Stefan Diggs again. <laughs> Because, you know, there's nobody on our team besides Joe Hayden that can cover Stefan Diggs. And truthfully, I don't even know if Hayden can because there's probably only like two corners in the league and one of them plays on the Bills, and that's Tredavious White. Oh, yeah, without question there. And then it's probably him and Lattimore, and Lattimore's a whole new ball game now. eh, Well, yeah, because my bet is that he's going to get released here in the next few days or at least the next few weeks. Yeah, and he's probably not going to be signed because he's going to be playing for the mean machine out of the prison next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, too good, dude. But yeah, um, I guess getting into kind of what the Steelers have done, um, you know, they 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 ended up actually losing, as we expected, Bud Dupree. Um, unfortunately, lost Mike Hilton. Um, that was kind of a tough one, especially going to the Bengals in yeah. division. Got to see him um, twice a year now. Yeah, he, you know, a lot of analysts have said that he was one of the guys that you really had to game plan for because he was a threat to rush the passer. He was a threat out of the slot corner position. He was even a threat, you know, kind of outside when he played out there. Yeah. Um, really good player. Hate to see him go. Um, but they did manage to re-sign Cam Sutton, which is huge. Um, you know, he's been really good. He's definitely going to keep getting better. Um, and... They re-signed Juju Smith-Schuster. Nobody thought it was possible. Um, you know, we already talked about him, kind of prefaced it, but Juju is back one year, eight million with four voidable years. This whole voidable years thing is kind of new. Basically, if they decide to terminate his contract, it can be paid out over four years uh, instead of just cutting one. Um, I that's how I interpret it. I think that's correct. Um, but another loss, well, the Steven Nelson saga, I don't even know if it lasted two hours. Um, Nelson wanted to trade. Nothing else was spoken of for a week. Out of nowhere, he tweets and said, release me. I want to, I'm being held prisoner or something. Hostage. 
hostage. That's it. And then uh, I think it might have been within the hour. Uh, Kevin Colbert called him up and said, "All right, buddy, see ya. <laughs> You're not back." So. Steven Nelson is gone, uh, which basically puts Cam Sutton into the starting corner spot. I never got um, that, that whole Steven Nelson saga. <sighs> like, it, yeah, it was just so confusing. Like, I don't understand why he wanted out of Pittsburgh so bad. Like, was it because the Steelers were favoring Juju over him or could they just not sign him to a bigger contract? I, I don't know. He had like two years left and the dude was making 10 mil a year. Exactly. Like, what is there to complain about? You're starting. Yep. You're playing on a team that has championship aspirations. I won't say possibilities, aspirations. Yeah. But you, your first year here, you didn't allow a single touchdown. You were totally shut down. This past year, you know, it was a little regression, but nobody's going to go zero touchdowns back to back years. Yeah. But like, you have it made, dude. And I, I don't, yeah, that, it didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Maybe what was happening was. Like you said, you know, signing Juju, maybe they weren't going to have the cap next year for him, or maybe he felt like, you know, come next year when Juju's one year deal's done, they're going to take, you know, a good look at, um, re- you know, moving Nelson or releasing Nelson just to sign Juju. So maybe he didn't want to have to deal with that. I don't know. It, it was strange. I was driving home, you know, five hours through Ohio, um, <laughs> and I just kept hearing about it and you and Dante were texting about it. And yeah. I, was, I was like, what is happening? And eventually when I stopped and saw it, I was like, Oh my dude. It was, <laughs> yeah, just nuts. It was just crazy. I, I don't understand it. I never will, but you know, it is what it is. I'm surprised he hasn't been signed yet, but he probably will years before the season starts. Maybe there was something else going on. Never know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the only other signings of note, uh, the Steelers brought back B.J. Finney, the man, the myth, and the legend, um, the jack-of-all-trades, you could call him, the man that plays every offensive line position. Um, Hell yeah. Not a bad signing with the retirement of Pouncey. Um, and then Kalen Ballage, they signed him, I believe it was two days ago. Um, pretty solid running back. Um, yeah, he's not going to be the starter, but uh, 75% conversion rate on short yardage uh, and short to go. So I'll take it because the Steelers certainly don't understand how to pick it up. And they certainly don't understand the whole concept of you hand the ball to a running back, have him jump over the pile and reach the ball across the plane. And it's a way to score a touchdown. Exactly. They just like to think you have to run into people and through them to score a touchdown. You can't go up. It's like a 2D playing field, not 3D. So you got to be like Leonard Fournette and just jump over the line of scrimmage like five exactly, yards. Exactly, dude. I mean, you look at Shady McCoy in his prime. He was so good at that. Yeah. Shady could jump the entire line like underneath him, dude. He was so good. I wished we would have seen him in a Steeler uniform in his prime. Is he even still in the league? Yeah, he was with the Bucks. He didn't play all year, but he was with the Bucks. <laughs> he got a free Super Bowl win. Uh, he deserved it. He if did. there's anybody that I will not rag for getting a free ring, I'd say it's him because he was, like I said, best running back in the league in his prime. Actually, no doubt. In my I mind. think this is the second year he got a free ring because I'm pretty sure he was with the Chiefs the year before. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yep. So he's a, so he has two free rings. Hey, good for him. Yeah. Good for Shady. Yeah, exactly. He was nasty in his prime. I got to go look up his stats now that we're talking about no, him. Yeah. Because- <laughs> He was, let's see, McCoy. Oh, he doesn't even come up when you search it. Did he retire, maybe? I, I doubt it. 
Oh, uh, maybe he just isn't signed, so it's not going to come up for me on Yahoo. But either way, he was, you know, nasty with the Eagles for a while. And then, uh, you know, just had a great career um, and definitely deserves those couple of rings. So um, I guess I'll pose a question to you getting into our uh, our draft talk here. Um, wait, you wait. We forgot before we get into that. We forgot one oh, more signing. Tyson Alualu. Oh right, you got to take that one. I won't even. I won't even step in the way of that one. No, no. Okay, so basically, the Steelers lost Tyson Alualu for like a week and a half or something. He decide he decided to go back to Jacksonville. That's the team that drafted him. So he decided to sign there. Probably saw a little bit of upside with Urban Meyer going there, but either way, he was going to go back to Jacksonville. And then COVID happened. He got he got COVID. COVID got in the way of things, and he he had a change of heart and was like, you know what? I have a house here. My kids go to school here in Pittsburgh. I like the culture here. So he changed his mind and signed back with the Steelers on a two-year deal. And we were so happy to hear that news because now our main three, our main three defensive linemen are back and we will not have to worry about, you know, trying to get a defensive tackle in the, in the draft this year. We have, Alu-Alu back along with Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt. So we are all happy about it. Zach, obviously, what was your reaction to it? Uh, at first, I'm going to be honest, I was a little shocked and confused because it was like day one of free agency. They were like, yep, Tyson Alu-Alu signs a two-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was like, oh, darn. Yeah. I guess we got to go draft one or sign a an interior D lineman. And I was like, well, that wasn't good because – all I remember was when he got hurt week eight, the running uh, defense went downhill. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah I mean, it, it was strange. You know, I got the tweet notification that was like, yeah, Tyson Oalalu has actually signed a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I was like, what? Like, how's that work? Um, yeah, I thought maybe somebody's retweeting from like two years ago or whenever yeah. he signed. But, um, yeah, once I saw the story that <laughs> just kind of how it went down, I was – I was happy, man, because he is so key for this team. And we were talking um, before the the recording started, you know, the Steelers running that 3-4. When you can run out Cam Hayward, Tyson Alalu, and uh, Stefan Tuitt, you're in pretty good shape. I mean, you got two perennial All-Pros and then a guy who pretty much holds that D-line together in the middle. So, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. it's just, it's crazy how it works. You know, COVID took pretty much everything from uh, everybody for yeah a long time. And we're, you know, obviously we're around on the corner, very thankful, but it finally brought some good to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tyson Alualu is back. And one more thing before we get into our draft things. I just, I just remember this kind of a big loss for the defense because he's been here for, I don't know, like six or so years, but the Steelers did release Vince Williams uh, uh, you know, kind kind of a tough gloss because he's a guy that has been, you know, a really good fit for the Steelers, especially at the linebacker position. If you know his story, you know, he was not happy when uh, Ryan Chazier was drafted because he thought he was the future and he was because he ended up starting with Chazier and those two became like brothers and you know he he just he's he is basically a Pittsburgh Steeler, and I I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine him in any other uniform. But 
it's just unfortunate to lose a veteran guy like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was, he was definitely devastated when the whole Shazier thing happened, but whenever it happened, he, you know, he stepped right in and, um, he definitely was exactly what we needed. He brought that hard nose kind of like Shazier did not afraid, just that fearless play. Um, you know, it's tough to see Vince go, but at the same time, when you're paying a guy who's your second or third string linebacker, seven and a half, eight million dollars, it's kind of hard to keep him, you know, cause when Bush is healthy, Bush is your starter. Um, and Spillane kind of stepped in and played just as well as anybody. So he honestly had a better shot starting number two. Um, than than Vince did so yeah I mean it's it's tough to watch but I think I'm excited for Spillane to get a good chance here and uh, I think they resigned Cassius March Marsh too yeah um, freaking psychopath he is something else dude when he lays a hit poof, I can't tell if he's just like doing it for football or doing it to try <laughs> and kill someone so and really good news we are getting Devin Bush back off of injury oh yeah that's that's definitely a huge add. I mean, we lost him kind of early in the season, um, but a guy who can who can move as quickly as Bush, a guy who can you know read a, read an offense, you know, kind of be that leader in there, um, much needed. I mean, when you got no, nothing against Spillane, I was just kind of pumping him up, but when he's got the dot in the huddle, it's not a good sign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you traded uh, traded up for for Devin Bush. You traded up for him to be the leader of that defense, not. Uh, not Robert Spillane, so exactly. unfortunate circumstance for sure for for Bush there. But with him coming back, it's certainly it's going to help offset the loss. You know, kind of basically the combined Hilton and uh, and Ben's losses is definitely going to it's definitely going to fill something in. So, um, yeah, I mean that's definitely good news. But uh, man, free agency was wild this year. It really was. But I guess we'll keep the the draft preview short because we haven't really gotten into that whole season yet we're still kind of getting out of free agency but i guess uh we'll stick to the running back position for today and then next week or next time we'll get into kind of the offensive line space um yeah at running back for the draft basically the way it's talked about is that the top three guys Najee harris travis Etienne, and javante williams are the three to get um, and then the way it's being talked about is that beyond them, there's just nothing. Um, so if all three of them are available at number 24, which one do you take and why? I'm taking Najee Harris mainly because when I see him run, he looks like a Derrick Henry. He just reminds me so much of him. And Keep in mind, I think Najee Harris is just a little bit smaller than Derrick Henry, but he still looks and runs like him. He can run you over. He can stiff arm. He can jump over you if he wants to. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, I think, is the perfect back for the Steelers. Uh, Maybe this is the reason why we released Steven Nelson was because 22 is available so we can draft Najee Harris. (laughs) But... um. Yeah, I think, and he can also do something with little because I can remember seeing him. I remember seeing him do have a few runs where it looked like he was going to lose a few yards, and he ended up gaining like three or four yards. And that's something that obviously the Steelers lacked all in last year because they had no running game. And hopefully, if the offensive line can block for him, he should be able to bust through bust through any hole and. Once he's in the once he's in the open field, he's gone. There's without a doubt he's gone. 
So for me, it's definitely Najee Harris. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can, can see the perks of drafting Harris. You know, he, if he is like on that, you know, that Derrick Henry level, um, you don't have to have an A plus offensive line because he kind of makes the runs happen himself. Um, and he's capable of, you know, making his own hole, busting through a, a, a poor block or, or anything like that. You know, he's got that ability, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go with Javante Williams. Um, I really think, you know, kind of looking at his stats a little closer, um, he might be the best playmaker of the three. Um, Harris is going to be much more of a downhill, just going to run you over like Derrick Henry. Um, Williams is getting those Nick Chubb comparisons. Um, and I really like the way Nick Chubb runs. I think it's a really good blend of, of heavy downhill running, but also it's a really nice blend of speed and agility. Um, Chubb's not your, your bruiser. That's not going to be able to break a run. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times this season that man had a run of like 40, 50, 60 yards for a touchdown. He's got the breakaway speed. He's got that, that uh, gap making ability or finding ability. Um, and he can bounce it to the outside just as well as anybody. Uh, and Williams is apparently a pretty good pass catcher too. So, um, you know, it's really hard to go wrong with any of them the way that they all look, but you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be upset with either of them. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset with either Harris or Javante Williams. And like you said, he's I've seen that same comparison where he's like uh, Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is definitely one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I can see him leading the league in rushing yards here in the in the given futures, just as long as, you know, the Browns keep their offensive line intact and whatnot, but and as long as he stays healthy, because he was injured a couple to, he was injured this season, but still, still, even with his injury, he was still able to manage he still managed to get over a thousand yards rushing. Well he he did lead the league in rushing not this past season, but the year prior. Um I think he finished with like fifteen hundred yards and pulling it up right now. Uh or yeah, six yards shy of fifteen hundred, but this past year he ran for a hundred plus in. I, I'm going to leave out his injury game, like the game where he got hurt against Dallas. Right. He ran for a hundred plus in five straight games and a combined six touchdowns in those five games. So, like, you know, it shows uh, the two games after injury, he had a, a touchdown run of 59 and a long run of 54 the next week, not for a touchdown, um, and then scored a touchdown every week for the next six weeks. Jeez, so, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't really be upset with a Nick Chubb uh, type running back. You know, a guy that what he averaged this year, uh, 5.6 yards a carry, which was actually better than he averaged last or the year prior when he led the league in rushing. Um, yeah, there's there's not much to complain about. Yeah, if we, um, if we could get if we could get a running back that can average 5.6 yards a carry. Yeah, it, it, it's it's that's a game changer. It, it really is because because if you got no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just say that's funny. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know, if you're at first and ten and you got a running back that's gonna get you three to four yards, you know, like three and a half, you're looking at second and seven. It's a lot harder to convert than second and four, second and five. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like it, but when you think about drawing up an offense, if you can get a five yard carry or let's say two four yard carries, and you're looking at third and two, as opposed to third and four, third and seven, it's a game changer because at third and two. 
you have the option to run a play action because you are a threat to run again. Yep. And then you can open up the middle of the field or you could just take your shot across the middle or downfield and you still have fourth and two. And if, as long as you're not on your own, like 20, it's worthwhile to go for that. You know, if you're inside yeah. the opponent 20, you know, if you're, if you're trailing and you need the touchdown over the field goal, instead of doing what the Steelers do and just kick the field goal because they know they can't pick it up. Yeah. You pick it up and then you're good to go. I mean, that's my thoughts at least. Yeah. And plus what I was going to say was um, this takes a lot of pressure off of Ben Roethlisberger because we saw this last season when the Steelers have had no running game, Ben's passing the ball 50 to 60 times. I mean, in the playoff game, he almost threw the ball 70 times because that's all the Steelers could do. When you have a running back that can average 5.6 yards a carry and, like you said, can pick up those tough yard, tough yards when needed, then that's going to put a take off a lot of pressure off of your 39-year-old quarterback. I mean, take a look at the Bucks. you know, in the postseason. Did Brady throw for you know, 50, 50 or 60 times a game. No, because Leonard Fournette got hot towards the end of the year and the Bucks had a running game. Th- th- that's what the Steelers need. If they want to get back to that promised land that they want to get to. Well, we, you know, I think it was the beginning of last season. We were talking about Ben cannot throw the ball 50 times a game. No. We will not win if he's throwing the ball 50 times a game. Because it, it okay when he was younger and we had the weapons on the outside like we did you know Brown Bryant Wheaton when he was good you know it was okay to throw the ball fifty times a game because he was throwing for four hundred and fifty five hundred yards and four or five touchdowns which is great but he's not going to do that anymore unless it's garbage time against the Browns when he throws four touchdowns but also four interceptions right I want Ben in that. 25 to 30, 35 tops throws range. Yeah, exactly. Because that means you're running the ball effectively. You're scoring efficiently. Or one, you don't have to score a lot to win. Or two, you're absolutely getting smoked, which keeps Ben from throwing the ball too much. Yeah. Um, but, but to me, I think if he's throwing less and you're running the ball more and you're able to, you don't even have to average 135 yards a game on the ground between two guys. You can average a hundred yards a game and it's an improvement Yeah, <laughs> over no, last year. It exactly. was so bad. It really was. I mean, I don't get it because the Steelers running game was like actually good at the beginning of the season, but then for some reason, just, well, this is probably where Randy Fichter comes into play because once he figured out that Ben Rothis, that Ben can throw the ball again, he probably figured, hey, you know what, James, I'm I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to lean on Ben to win us this game. But either way, James Conner and Benny Snell, those guys were, you know, picking up those tough yardage and were averaging probably like 100, between 90 to 100 yards rushing a game. I think it was like three weeks in a row. This like It was like Benny Snell, James Conner, and then James Conner again between – had like a hundred yard games in each of them. Yep. Benny Snow had a hundred yard game against the Giants because Connor couldn't get anything going. Right. But then Connor the next two weeks was over a hundred. The following week he had fifty, but I think Snell had let's see, against Philly. We didn't run well against Philly. I think we were under a hundred, but then Connor followed it up the next week with a hundred yards. So it looked like 
<clears throat> we were going to have a running game, you know, yep. and out of nowhere gone. And we, and we saw when, you know, the Colts game happened and Ben was not throwing the ball well, cause it was just a short dink and dunk passes. And as soon as he kind of just said, all right, Randy, stop, let me just do what I got to do. And he was slinging it. We came back and beat the Colts. I mean, it was evident what happened, yeah. you know, and, I, I want you to take a stab at where we were in the league in terms of pass yards per game last year out of 32 pass yards per game out of my bet is that we're going to be, uh, my bet is that we were towards the bottom. So I'm going to say 30th. All right. We were 16th. We threw for 258 a game. Oh, okay. That's not bad then. But then take a stab at the rushing yards per game. Oh, rushing. I think I'm pretty sure we were dead last. We were 84 and a half. So yeah. combined those two, we were 26th in yards per game at 342. Um, that's pathetic because two, three years ago, um, we were like top 10 every year. Yeah. When you have a guy ben like was throwing. Yeah. No, good. Well, I mean, Bell was running for a thousand plus and receiving for a thousand plus. Yeah. Brown was receiving 1500 and you know, Ben was throwing for four, 4,000 plus. So you know, certainly it made it a little easier. You know, there was that string of years where yeah, he was well over 4,000, um, close to 5,000, you know, when he played a full season. So, well, okay. Um, he, he, here's my thing. I'm going to change it real quick. Just like with some of the national media, yeah, with some of the yeah. national media and some of the other people, I think last year proved that Ben Roethlisberger still has a lot left in the tank and that he can still throw the ball. But for some reason, the national media and other fan bases are saying, oh, no, Ben can't do it anymore. He can't throw the ball and everything like that. But if you go back and watch his game film, he actually did pretty well. I mean, sure, he was short. Sure, the deep ball wasn't wasn't the same as it used to be, but he was still throwing the ball well. So I, I I like I for one he threw his way into the MVP conversation by week twelve. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, you know, Aaron Rodgers far and away was a better quarterback last year, but Mahomes wasn't putting up Mahomes like numbers, so he kind of wasn't a front runner in terms of conversation. But Ben at that point had like twenty five or six touchdowns and like four interceptions i mean yeah so that's like really good for week 11 coming off of tommy john and then some while not having any offense exactly (laughs) so if you mix a run game into there and ben's still doing what he's doing like this past season if you if you have a run game and you and ben's still doing what he's doing he probably has like 30 34 35 maybe even 36 touchdowns and I'm going to say like maybe even six or seven interceptions. That's probably the best season yeah, he had. The, the interception number goes away, no doubt. Um, when you're able to run the ball, you don't have to throw and force the ball in places. That's the that's the big difference. You know, exactly. you and I talked about it all the time. You know, Ben at that point was having to throw so much, he was trying to force the ball places. I If I go to the Jacksonville game, he had only thrown four interceptions through nine games yeah and at that point right. was sitting what's that 11 12 he had 23 touchdowns and four interceptions and he threw one every week until the indie week where he threw none and then against cleveland in the playoff game he threw four so you know he's forcing balls places against buffalo through two picks forcing balls against cincinnati through a pick you know, the Washington game was when he really got figured out through a pick. Baltimore threw a pick. Jacksonville, man, eh, whatever. 
But well, to be fair, in that Washington game, that interception wasn't his fault, if I can remember, because it was yeah. like Montez Sweat or someone like hit it out of the air, and it just it was, it was a yeah, he got batted ball. up yeah. and just right in someone's hands. That was another problem this year that needs to be addressed. But this year he threw for thirty three touchdowns, which is second highest in his career. Yep, twenty eighteen when he threw for over five thousand yards. He threw one more, but also had six more interceptions. 33 and 10 is his best ratio since 2014 at 32 and 9. Yeah. That, that, that and is. And you're telling me that that's washed up? If that's washed up and the dude like played 15 games, threw for 3,800 yards, 65% completions, 33 and 10, sure his yards per pass were way lower than average. He averages almost eight. That's me. Yeah. Be- but like his QBR 94, that's totally fine. That is. Because, and here's the other issue that people don't understand was Randy Figner. He was calling those dink and don't doink plays. But when you, we saw this in the indie game, when Ben just stopped listening to Randy Figner and started drawing up plays of his own and was throwing the ball down the field, that was vintage Ben Roethlisberger. And you're going to tell me that he's washed up. If we get that Ben Roethlisberger this upcoming year, which I expect us to, I I don't see why we can't be in that Super Bowl conversation. I mean, you're bringing back Juju, and that's going to be, what, year five. So it's experience on experience, and he's probably going to do better this year. Teams are going to, you know, they're going to have to key on him, they'll have to key on Claypool. So Johnson could probably be better. If you have a running game, and again, Ben doesn't have to force those balls places. Yeah. You're just looking at a much better situation overall. So I don't know. I, I agree with you. The media is really bad and the whole washed up thing just kind of baffles me. But yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, what happens. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I It's just baffling. I'm kind of at a loss for words for it at this point because I try to tune it out and there's not really a whole lot to say about it right, anymore. You know, right. we, you hit the nail on the head a hundred percent, bringing up the fact that you know, he's putting up better numbers. And I wanted to pull up the numbers just to kind of enforce the point. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy to me. I don't understand it. Um, I think what we can only do now is just hope that Matt Canada realizes that he, we can't throw the ball 60 times a game and hopefully the Steelers can get one of these three running backs and some good offensive linemen in the draft. And, that can rebuild that yeah. running game. Absolutely. Um, I think, and I think that's what he was brought in for. I think it was to kind of reinvent the offense in Pittsburgh. Um, so hopefully he's able to do that. Hopefully he's able to change it up, um, you know, kind of reinvent it. But yeah, you know, unless you have anything else to add, I'm pretty much uh, out of topics for tonight. Um, and we'll get into more draft stuff coming up as we approach the draft, you know, kind of get more, necessarily solidified because nobody really knows what's going to happen, but more of an idea where the Steelers are going to go. So anything else you want to add, Eve? Nope, I'm good. Yeah, I got everything I wanted to say out and just looking forward to talking about the draft here in the few mu- few uh, weeks here. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, well, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up for us here. Um, thanks, guys, for tuning in, uh, and we'll catch you guys next time. All right, happy Easter, everybody. <laughs>